Good evening. My name is Sarah Morant with the Government of Alberta, and I'll be your host tonight for this telephone town hall. This evening, I'm joined by Bree Hutchinson, Executive Director with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire, Rob Dupree from the Insurance Bureau of Canada, Peter Tufik, Officer in Charge of the Community Safety and Wellbeing Branch with the Alberta RCMP, Darcy Garchinsky, Director of Public Health with the Alberta Health Services, and Kathy Keogh from Counseling Alberta. In addition, I'm supported this evening with colleagues from many departments across the government of Alberta, including the Departments of Health, Education, Indigenous Relations, Jobs, Economy and Northern Development, Municipal Affairs, Agriculture and Irrigation, Environment and Protected Areas, Mental Health and Addiction, and Seniors Community and Social Services. Before we hear from our speaker, let me start by explaining how this town hall will work. Right now, Albertans whose communities have been impacted by wildfires are connecting to the call, and you will soon have a chance to ask your question to any of the experts participating tonight. You can get in line to ask a question right now or at any time by pressing star three on your phone, and you'll be connected to an operator who will ask for your name and community. We ask that you try to keep your questions brief because there are many people listening tonight. In addition, to ensure that as many questions are answered as possible, I will read each question out loud so our speakers can get to them quickly. Now, I would like to welcome my colleague, Bree Hutchinson, Executive Director with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, to please share a few opening remarks. Bree, please go ahead. Thanks, Sarah, and good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for tonight's telephone town hall. I hope this platform helps you get the information you need, answers your questions, and addresses some of your concerns. Tonight, I'm joined by representatives from across the Alberta government, the RCMP, and the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Before we get to your questions, I'll start with some reminders about resources that are available to you. First, you are eligible for an emergency evacuation payment if you have had to leave your primary residence for seven days or more due to an evacuation order. If you are eligible and haven't already, please apply for evacuation payments as soon as possible. These payments are in place to help you and your family and are in addition to monies available through your insurance policy. Applying online at alberta.ca slash emergency is the best way to get these payments with funds sent by e-transfer within 24 hours. If you are unable to receive an e-transfer, you can also visit one of eight Alberta Supports offices to get a prepaid debit card. If you need additional emergency support, you can also call 310-4455, which is staffed 24-7. We've seen some promising progress in the fight against the wildfires, thanks to improved weather conditions that have aided the hard work of firefighters on the front line. We're thankful that Albertans are paying attention to restrictions and guidelines, so let's keep up the good work. Please continue to exercise caution and sound judgment to help prevent the spread of wildfires and further damage from occurring. It is encouraging to see residents returning home. If you are among those who are returning home, please closely follow your local authority's reentry instructions to make sure the process goes smoothly. Your local authority will have information on reentry plans on their website and social media channels once evacuation orders are lifted and it is safe for residents to return home. 
There's also helpful information on alberta.ca slash emergency about how to re-enter safely. Your continued safety is a priority for all of us. It is also crucial to remember that many residents who are returning home may continue to be on an evacuation alert. This means residents should still have a bag packed and a plan in place for evacuating again, should it be necessary. I know it's stressful to think of another potential evacuation, but it is a precaution meant to keep you and your family safe. So please remain vigilant and be prepared. We know people who have been evacuated are eager to return home, but it's important to listen to instructions from your local officials and wait for their official word. They will know the situation best. So please stay informed by paying attention to trusted and verified information sources. Your safety is a priority for all of us. Finally, 211 is a great resource to find a variety of mental health supports. You can text or go online by just dialing 211 and they'll be able to refer you to resources like Counseling Alberta, which offers barrier-free and affordable or no-cost counseling services. I want to make sure we leave as much time as possible for your questions, so let's get to the queue. Back to you, Sarah. Thanks so much, Bree. And for those of us just joining, I wanted to remind you that my name is Sarah. I'm your host for tonight's Telephone Town Hall. And joining me this evening are Bree Hutchinson, with the executive is the executive director with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, Christy Tucker from Alberta Wildfire, Rob Dupree with the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Peter Tufik with the Alberta RCMP, Darcy Garchinski with Alberta Health Services, and Kathy Keogh from Counseling Alberta. In addition, I'm supported tonight by colleagues from many departments across the government of Alberta, including the departments of Health, Education, Indigenous Relations, Jobs, Economy, and Northern Development, Municipal Affairs, Agriculture and Irrigation, environment and protected areas, mental health and addiction, and seniors, community, and social services. If you would like to join the conversation by asking a question to any one of those experts, you can do so right now by pressing star three on your phone. And for those of you listening online, you can simply submit a question at any time in that online portal. I would now like to get started with our first question of the evening. This is submitted from Donna in Drayton Valley. And Donna says, I have many friends who fought fires and their insurance won't do anything to pay for fence posts or food, not covering anything. What can be done? So I'll ask my colleague Rob Dupree from the Insurance Bureau of Canada to please go ahead. Hi Donna, and thank you for the question. So sorry to hear that your friends are having some insurance challenges. One of the first steps is to reach out to the insurance company to talk to the adjuster to understand what the issues are with that specific policy and with the items that are being requested to be reimbursed. Fence posts, for example, there may not be insurance coverage on some policies. And as well, depending on what you mean by food, if it's food in your fridge or freezer, that's commonly covered if it was spoiled and there was power outage. And your food costs would typically also be covered under your additional living expense if you are evacuated. Every insurance company has a process outlined on their website as well 
for an escalation process to contact different people, phone numbers or emails, including the company's ombudsperson to help resolve any disputes or discrepancies. For additional information, you can reach out to our Consumer Information Centre and they can talk about other options that may be available. So they can be reached at 1-844-227-5422. So give us a call and we can walk through the various other options that are available and the different processes that you can go through to try to get some answers to your questions. Thank you, Donna, and good luck. Thanks very much, Rob. And a reminder for those who have just joined the call, if you would like to ask a question, you can get into the queue to do so by pressing star three on your phone. And for those listening online, by simply submitting it into that online portal. The next question comes from Lyndon and says, Will there be a deadline for evacuee assistance if I didn't, if I was eligible but did not apply? So I'll ask my colleague Maggie Carroll with the Department of Seniors, Community and Social Services to please go ahead. Thank you, Sarah. And great question, Lyndon. Um, you can put yourself at rest in the sense that you have 30 days to apply for the emergency evacuation payment after a specific community evacuation order ends. We encourage you if you have not already done so. You can apply online, Lyndon, at your convenience uh, through the alberta.ca verified account. It will bring you through. If you log into um, alberta.ca slash emergency, you will connect directly to the emergency evacuation payment. If that doesn't work for you, you can also contact 310-4455 and we can commence your application for you and provide you some more information. But yes, you have 30 days from the date that the evacuation order ends. So you have lots of time, Lynn. Hopefully that helps you and good luck. Thanks very much for that, Maggie. Our next question is submitted from Rita and says, I heard that more communities are being evacuated. What sort of things should I have ready to go? So I'll ask my colleague, Bree Hutchinson with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency to please go ahead. Thanks for your question. And uh, the first thing I'll say is, is what I think people hear me lead with is number one, go to alberta.ca slash emergency because there's some great lists in here under our Be Prepared program to tell you what you should have. But the things you should have if you're getting ready to evacuate, we kind of recommend people right now bring enough supplies with them for seven days. So make sure you have some clothing, your medications, important documents such as identification, uh, insurance policies if you have them, uh, as well as anything else like that that you wanna keep um, with you and safe. Also, please make sure if you have pets, you have pets packed up in any of their essentials as well. So carriers, uh, leashes, some dog food, any of their medications, et cetera, it's super important. Uh, the other thing we also recommend is to have your vehicle fueled and ready to go and know which way you're getting out. So 511 is another great resource to help you figure out the route to leave so that if you are woken up or something changes, you need to react really quickly, you're prepared and know which way you're going so it's not as panicked. Um, the other thing we would suggest is talk to your family about what your plan is before the evacuation order is issued. Sometimes evacuation orders are issued when people aren't home. So you need to make a plan for how you're going to reconnect with your family, 
start a chat with them or use social media, et cetera, to communicate so that people, everybody in your family who lives in your residence knows where you're going and what the plan is if you have to evacuate. So I'll, I'll end with how I started is please go to alberta.ca slash emergency to find some really great resources for a list for what you need to take with you if you're evacuated. Thanks so much for that, Bree. I wanted to check as well with Peter Tufik from the Alberta RCMP to see if you have anything more to contribute to Rita's question about what things should I have ready to go if I do need to evacuate. Peter, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and obviously, you know, the things that Bree outlined, Rita, are kind of the main priorities to, to uh, look after and get done. Uh, but, you know, while you're preparing, if there's still time, you know, we know that homeowners and residents feel un uneasy about leaving their property and belongings behind. Um, we know how important the protection of your property is to you. Um, and I want to assure you that until you return to your community, the local RCMP and our law enforcement partners are committed to keeping evacuated communities safe and secure. But I did want to talk about a couple of things that you can do to safeguard your property and actually assist the RCMP uh, during that evacuation process. So just some simple precautions you can take. And I'll just break this down into saying, like, look at it, lock it, log it, right? So walk around your property, make sure there's no open gates, windows, doors, left ajar, things unlocked that might need repair that leave your property vulnerable. Look at the lights at your property, make sure they're in working condition. Um, look at your security devices and ensure they're in good working condition with fresh batteries and devices that need them. Um, and, uh, and then lock your property. So if something's valuable to you, secure it. Thieves look for opportunities. Don't give them any. Secure all your vehicles, doors, windows. Ensure you have proper working locks on all your doors around your properties. That includes sheds, garages, other outdoor structures. Ensure they're securely locked. Store your valuables. Um, inside uh, build outbuildings or buildings where possible. Um, and, uh, you know, really um, uh, ensure that your property is locked down. And then log it. Take photos of rooms in your house, belongings that you have, um, even video to keep a visual record of the items that you have. That's going to help both the police and the insurance company if anything is lost or damaged. Uh, so photos, videos, taking down serial numbers of expensive items, um, this is going to help us locate your stolen items if we arrest an offender with them and be able to uh, ensure we can return them to you. Um, you might not need, also need some of those things for an insurance claim. Um, and I'll maybe end it there, but just some uh, steps to help keep your property safe. Thanks very much for that, Peter. Um, if you would like to join the conversation by asking a question, just a reminder to anyone listening on their phone, you can do that by pressing star three and you will be put through to an operator who will take your question and then you will join our queue. And for anyone listening online, you can submit your question directly in that portal. The next question comes from Adam, who, Adam, who is listening online and Adam says, will Fort Chippewan have to evacuate? How can we do that without road access? So I'll go to my colleague, Bree Hutchinson with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. Hi, Adam, and thank you so much for your question. So as you probably know now, I think it was three minutes after you wrote this question in, uh, there is now an evacuation order issued for Fort Chippewan. So I just am going to repeat this. It's the hamlet of Fort Chippewan, Miccosukee Cree First Nation, Fort Chippewan Métis Nation, and Athabasca Chippewan First Nation. There is an evacuation order that's been now issued for all community members. So the instructions, I'm going to give them to you right now 
all community members must evacuate. This is a phased evacuation, starting with all community members of Allison Bay. Everyone must evacuate immediately, report to the Archie Simpson Arena, make sure you bring your important documents, medication, food, water and supplies for at least seven days. Take your pets with you. There's more details that are available at rmwb.ca slash Fort Chip. So this is for the first round of evacuations right now. There will be a second round. And Adam, as you're probably aware, living in the community, there's we have air as well as boats that are going to help support depending on the location you're in and what's happening. So I'll tell you to please go to the Archie Simpson Arena or go to the rmwb.ca slash Fort Chip for specific instructions pertaining to you and what phase you'll be in and when we're evacuating. So very calmly and orderly, the officials are working hard on this. As this community is so remote, we are being more preemptive on this to ensure we can get people out safely in an organized way. So bring all your documents you need to, your supplies for seven days, as well as your pets, and we'll make sure we have the resources to get you out as safely as possible. Thanks so much for that important update, Bree. Our next question is submitted from Joel, and Joel says, I have damage to trees around my property. Will insurance cover, will my, sorry, will my insurance cover damage like this? So I'll ask my colleague Rob Dupree from the Insurance Bureau of Canada to please go ahead. Hi, Joel. Commonly under insurance policies, there is coverage for outdoors trees, plants, and shrubs that are located on your premises when they've been damaged by fire. Insurance policies may have specific limits or dollar amounts per tree, and that also includes debris removal. So if you've started a claim already, you can talk to your adjuster, ask that person about the trees that are covered and what dollar amounts are available for either debris removal or replacing the actual tree. And if you haven't started a claim yet, you can reach out to your insurance representative, your broker or agent that you bought the policy from, and they'll be able to outline the coverage that you have under your insurance policy for these items. Hope that answers your question, Joel. Thanks. Thanks very much, Rob. And before I get on to the next question, I do want to remind you that you can join the conversation by pressing star three right now or at any time to ask a question to any one of the experts who are supporting tonight's telephone town hall. The next question here comes from Debbie in Gift Lake and Debbie says, my husband has a health condition and we had to leave our community before the evacuation because of it. We were out for longer than seven days. Why am I being denied the money? So I'll ask my colleague, Maggie Carroll, with the Department of Seniors, Community and Social Services to please go ahead. Thank you, Sarah. Debbie, I'm sorry to hear about your circumstances. Although I can't speak specifically to your application for the emergency evacuation payments, I can tell you that applicants must meet the eligibility criteria. And that is that they're in an eligible community that has been evacuated for a period of seven days and that you have the su sufficient identification and substantiation to confirm your residence. If there are other extenuating circumstances, we are more than happy to review your application and determine what is happening. 
You can call Debbie the one, oh, sorry, 310-4455 line. That's 310-4455. Please ask to speak to the Income Support Contact Center. We have staff there that have been evaluating and assessing eligibility for the emergency evacuation payments that will be able to provide you more insight and guidance into the application. Thank you, Debbie, for your question and, and good luck with your application. Thanks very much for that, Maggie. Our next question comes from Tracy in Edson and Tracy says, what is the status of the fire in Edson? So I'll ask my colleague, Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire to please go ahead. Good evening, Tracy. Uh, the uh, fires near Edson are part of the Pembina complex and we do have a, a significant number of resources assigned to that complex. We have uh, 105 firefighters and an incident management team, uh, and it's, uh, they're working on all of the fires that are involved in that complex so they can share them out uh, where they're needed. We have 67 pieces of heavy equipment working there and 21 helicopters working on that uh, complex and use of an air tanker as well if we need it. So uh, that wildfire uh, in particular, the one that is still 14 kilometers uh, away from Edson is EWF uh, 031, and it is still classified as out of control, and it's estimated to be 130,000 hectares uh, in size. That size has changed a little bit because of um, a more accurate to ability to map the size. Uh, we did an infrared scan uh, last night, and we did notice some increased fire behavior um, that has occurred over the last few days. So, but if there was a, a bit of growth on that fire, it is certainly considered within the containment lines. So it's uh, not a threat uh, to the community, even though the fire uh, was growing. Um, uh, firefighters have been uh, working on an excursion, which is a uh, movement of a fire in one particular area on the northeast portion of the fire. Uh, it has been stopped by the containment line uh, established by bulldozers and, and crews who have been working on that over the last couple of days. And they did have uh, aircraft working on that area too. So we uh, were able to build a containment line around a, a small spot fire as well uh, to the east of the, of the main uh, excursion. So they're going to continue to secure that uh, line tomorrow. Uh, so the main plan for the that particular fire is to contain the head and the right side of the fire and reinforce those containment lines to prevent any spread towards Edson or, or any of the critical infrastructure that's around there, as well as Highway 16. So uh, a lot of uh, resources there working uh, quite hard and, and obviously staying on top of any movement uh, that the fire is making under the conditions. Thanks very much for the information there, um, Christy. Just a reminder for those listening on the phone, if you would like to join the conversation by asking a question, you can do so by pressing star three and you'll be entered into our queue. The next question comes from Bridget listening online and it says, I heard the other night about calling 211 for mental health support. Can my daughter call or does an adult need to call with her? So I'll ask my colleague, Tara White, with the Department of Mental Health and Addiction to please go ahead. 
Hi, thank you, Bridget, for your question. It's really important to recognize the impact of the wildfires on people's mental wellness right now. That's normal uh, for your daughter and, and others to experience stress and anxiety at this time. Um, so thank you for asking the question about support. So yes, absolutely, your daughter herself can call 211 on her own. She can also text the word INFO, I-N-F-O, to 211 to get a response, and that's available 24-7. There's also a resource available specifically for um, children and youth and young adults. There's the Kids Help Phone. Um, she can call that at 1-800-668-6868. So that's 1-800-668-6868. Or she can text the word CONNECT, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, to 68 6868. And Kids Help Phone does provide services up to young adults. So, depend, depending on the age of your daughter, um, that line's likely helpful for her. I'd also like to turn it over to Kathy from Counseling Alberta to provide a bit of information on virtual counseling services that they provide. Kathy? Thank you, Tara. Counseling Alberta. The Division of Calgary Counseling Center, providing virtual and some in-person counseling services to Alberta, Albertans. This expansion of services outside Calgary is made possible through a partnership between the Government of Alberta and Calgary Counseling Center to address the growing need for mental health services across the province, and especially in stressful times. If you were interested in learning more about Counseling Alberta, please visit the Counseling Alberta website at counseling. 2LAlberta.com. The website provides information on how to register for counseling and a little bit about what to expect from the counseling experience. There is an online registration form that can be found on the website and it is accessible 24 7. If preferred, folks can call 1 4230 and an intake member will be happy to assist individuals in the registration process. Our phone lines are open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. and 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. We have a large, highly trained counseling team that utilizes a variety of approaches when working with clients, and we are able to support people interested in individual, couple, or family counseling. Counseling is available to all Albertans outside the city of Calgary for a low cost and is subsidized by the province of Alberta. Registrations for counseling are assigned to a skilled member of our Counseling Alberta team daily. A counselor will make every effort to reach out on the same day that the registration for counseling is assigned to them. We also have same day virtual appointments available when necessary. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for that important information from my colleagues, Tara and Kathy. 
just a reminder for those listening online or on the phone, if you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by pressing star three on your phone to ask a question or share some comments. Or if you're listening online by simply putting it into that online portal, the next question was submitted online from Reagan and it says, do we know how many homes or businesses have been affected by these fires so far? So I'll ask Bree Hutchinson with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency to please go ahead. So at this time, we're using estimates and it's we know there's at least 275 structures. Um, it's very hard at this point with lots of communities still being out in a various um, points of re-entry and response to get a whole robust analysis of what's been damaged, if that's your question in regards to impact. I mean, we do know there was around 38,000 uh, Albertans that were evacuated at one port or another. And so when we think about that as people leaving their community, it means businesses are also not operating while people are out. So there's been much more impact to people than just damage to structures. Um, so we, we will have more information as it goes. Our primary, with AMA, our primary response is about getting people out and ensuring the safety of, of people and their communities. And then it's after the fact, it does take quite some time to do some uh, analysis to determine where there is damage and what other things have to be done to help support communities. So hopefully that answered your question. Thanks so much for that important information. Our next question is submitted from Henry and it says, who is helping support businesses who've been affected by the fires? So I'll ask my colleague, Lindsay Singh with the Department of Jobs, Economy and Northern Development to please go ahead. Hi there, thank you for your question tonight. Um, we understand that businesses and wanna get back to business as soon as possible. And it will be important for business owners and the communities that they serve in situations like this, insurance is your first line of support after the disaster, and most business insurance policies cover fire damage. I encourage you to speak to your insurance broker or insurance representative to determine what coverages are available to you. I'd also encourage you to check out BizConnect. This government program provides wayfinding services and can assist business owners to navigate the services and supports that are available through the government and other partner organizations. You can reach BizConnect through www.alberta.ca slash biz, which is B-I-Z, connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T. And there is an online portal that you can uh, drop your all of your information in and um, some of our representatives here will be able to get back to you. Other partner organizations, including Business Link, provide free advice and referrals to business supports, and they can be reached at 1-800-272-9675. Thank you so much for your question. Thanks very much for that information, Lindsay. Our next question is submitted online from Vanessa, and it says, is there a freeze right now on insurance in the communities that were affected by the fire? So I'll ask Rob Dupree from the Insurance Bureau of Canada to please go ahead. Hi, Vanessa. During wildfire events like the one we're experiencing in Alberta right now, insurance companies commonly initiate some temporary restrictions 
on the sale of new insurance policies, but only for those communities that are under imminent threat. So these are temporary, and as the threat eases, then insurance goes back to normal. I want to remind you that renewals take place as the usual course of business. So if you're evacuated or if your community is under evacuation alert, your insurance renewals will still go through without any issues. Some insurance policies even have a special declaration of emergency endorsement. And what this endorsement does, it extends the expiry date of your insurance policy, just to make sure that you're not looking for new insurance when it may be a bit more difficult. So if your community is under threat, it may be a bit more difficult to get insurance, but once that threat eases, make a few phone calls to different companies because they have different restrictions and you should be able to find an insurance policy that meets your needs. Thanks for the question, Vanessa. Thanks for that information, Rob. And just a reminder for those listening on your phone, if you want to ask a question, um, you can do so right now or at any time for the rest of this town hall by just pressing star three and you'll be routed to an operator. The next question is submitted from an online listener and it says, what is the status of the fire in Fox Lake? So I'll ask my colleague, Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire to please go ahead. Thank you for the question. Uh, the fire in near Fox Lake is part of the Pasqua complex, and that is currently 85,600 hectares in size. Uh, it is continuing to grow. That is one of the areas where we have seen um, more extreme fire hazard uh, over the weekend. It uh, didn't quite get as much rain as, as many of the other areas of the province where we've seen the hazard going down. Uh, so uh, the, the fire did grow to the east into Wood Buffalo National Park. Uh, they are looking for opportunities for uh, ignition, uh, which I've talked about before, but ignition is one of the ways we, we build a fire guard uh, around a community and help uh, remove some of the dead or dry grass or vegetation that might be used uh, as fuel for the wildfire to bring it closer to a community. So it, it's one of the ways we reinforce uh, fire guard and containment lines around communities to help protect them and, and steer the movement of the wildfire. Uh, we usually tie those into uh, natural barriers. So we'd be um, tying that in to drive the fire towards something that is more difficult to, uh, to move across, such as a body of water, like a lake or a river. Uh, the fire continues to be south of the Peace River, and it's currently not threatening the community of, of Garden River. Um, yesterday, some equipment arrived and crews began installing some high-volume water systems and spr sprinkler systems in the community of Garden River. So um, this work is going to be continuing today. Uh, in Fox Lake, work is continuing to remove some dangerous trees, trees that may have burnt out roots and, and could be a threat. Uh, to falling down and, and create further damage. And they're, they're working to um, create perimeters around structures in the community. There's still quite a few hot spots there and sometimes they can burn deep into the ground. Um, and so uh, they can take a while to extinguish. 
And because of the continued dry conditions, people may be able to see smoke uh, from some of those hotspots around the community. So smoke will be visible around there. Uh, top priority is there now just keeping the Pasqua fire south of the Peace River. Uh, the, we have crews there monitoring fire activity along the river and they're responding with ground crews and helicopters uh, to put out uh, any movement if they see um, spots, uh, spot fires starting across the, the river. So we do have uh, significant resources on that um, on that fire. They, we have 193 uh, personnel supporting that fire, and that includes wildland and structural firefighters working together. And uh, there are heli 11 helicopters uh, working to contain the Pasqua fire. So still a lot of work going on, and particularly in one of those areas where we've seen more wildfire activity over the weekend. Thanks very much for the information on that, Christy. The next question is from Michaela this evening. And Michaela says, is water being tested in communities affected by wildfire? So I'll ask my colleague Darcy Gerchinski with Alberta Health Services to please go ahead. Thank you very much for your question, Michaela. Most Albertans receive their water from municipal water systems. Municipal water systems have processes in place to monitor and treat issues like increased turbidity, microbial growth, and any chemical byproducts of disinfection. If an issue arises within a municipal system, Alberta Environment and Protected Areas will notify AHS and we will assess the risk. A boil water advisory may be issued to impacted residents if deemed necessary. If you receive your water from a private system, your risk would depend on your water source and how it is treated. Microbial disinfection is important for water systems with contamination from soot. Modern firefighting chemicals are generally safe and break down in the environment. Private homeowners on protected wells and cisterns are at lower risk. However, private homeowners located on dugouts or other forms of surface water should speak to a water treatment consultant or a health inspector to help them assess their risk and determine next steps. Other risks are variable and depend on the surrounding areas. Wells located near intensive agriculture or industry will have additional risk factors. These homeowners should also be advised to consult a water professional or AHS Environmental Public Health. For more information, I invite you to refer to the ahs.ca slash wildfire website. Thank you, Michaela. Thanks for that information, Darcy. And for anyone who has joined the conversation, I will remind you we're joined tonight by many different representatives from across the government of Alberta who are here to help answer any questions you may have. If you're interested in asking a question, you can do so by pressing star three on your phone and you'll be entered into our queue. Or if you're listening online, you can enter a question at any time into that online portal. The next question comes from Jesse, who's listening online this evening. And Jesse says, is the military still helping? So I'll ask my colleague, Bree Hutchinson, with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency to please go ahead. Thanks, Jesse, for your question. So yeah, the Canadian Armed Forces are still very active in assisting. Uh, currently, there's around 200 members 
that are assisting in a variety of tasks, including in the firefighting response. I can also tell you that today, um, the Canadian Armed Forces has also stepped up to help provide support for the evacuation of residents from the Fort Chippewan community. Uh, they are sending uh, Hercules aircraft that is there to help support removing members of the community in a safe and effective way. So we're very grateful for our partnership with uh, the Canadian Armed Forces on that. Thanks very much for that information, Bree. Our next question comes from Caitlin, and Caitlin says, is this hot weather and wind going to start any new fires? So I'll ask Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire to please go ahead. Uh, thanks for the question. Well, uh, the wind and, and warm weather itself won't start any wildfires, but it can create the conditions for a wildfire once it's uh, ignited or start. Uh, started to grow uh, quite quickly. And that's one of the reasons why we still have a fire ban and off-highway vehicle restriction in place in those parts of northern uh, Alberta, where we are still seeing very uh, high uh, fire danger levels. Um, in areas where we've had recent uh, thunderstorms, there is a risk of some new fires starting from uh, storms. We do get uh, quite a few lightning starts in this province. Um, thunderstorms can create uh, new starch, which uh, won't necessarily flare up right away, uh, but they can smolder uh, in the soil around the tree or under uh, vegetation until the conditions are warmer, drier, and windier, and then we can have new fires starting that way. So depending on how dry an area it is, um, it, it can linger in the soil. Uh, or in the uh, in the low-lying vegetation for quite a few days until conditions are right to become a wildfire that spreads quickly. So it, it is something we're very much on the alert for. Um, this is where our, our network of uh, wildfire lookouts, uh, we have uh, crews that are patrolling areas where we know there have been uh, recent thunderstorms, and we do have remote sensing technology, so we know exactly where lightning has struck, and we can monitor the areas to ensure that these smoldering fires don't flare up when it becomes uh, drier and windier. As you said, it can increase fire danger, certainly, and that's when we can see um, more active wildfires. Thanks, Christy. Our next question comes from Rick, and Rick says, if I'm on an evacuation alert, are the schools still open? Should my kids be going to school? So I'll ask my colleague, Kindy Joseph, with the Department of Education to please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Rick, for the question. I'm sorry to hear that you're on an evacuation alert. Um, with respect to the question about schools, what I can what I can share at this time is that uh, the decisions around closing and opening schools are made by the local board or superintendent based on a number of uh, conditions or factors, including an evacuation order. Um, they might look at uh, the time frame uh, within which you have to evacuate, or perhaps working with your local municipal leaders. Um, you know the the status of the fire itself or um, anything else that's going on. They will make the decision uh, based on uh, ensuring the safety of students and staff um, in the school. And the best place for you to get the most up-to-date information is your school or your school board. So please stay in touch with your school through the normal mechanisms that you would. Um, so website, email, Facebook, or, or phone. 
Um, they will be able to tell you whether or not the school is open. Um, I, I, I am go I'm going to pass it off on to uh, my colleague, uh, Sarah, if you want to go ahead. Sure. Thanks for that, Kindy. We wanted to check with Bree Hutchinson with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency to see if you have anything more to contribute to Rick's question about being on evacuation alert and the schools and should my kids be going to school. Bree, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Rick, for your question. And my colleague, Kindy, did a really great job of advising you best places to go for information on this. The thing I would add is this is a dependent piece for parents to make good decisions um, based on uh, advice from their local authorities, including the school. But I would say if you're on an evacuation order in a very short period of time, so we do have some communities uh, with the alerts that are within 15 minutes, something shorter, then I think as long as you can gather your children safely and move forward, that could be a consideration if that's along I'll, with the advice from local authorities to do that. But I think as part of making sure you, everybody knows where each other is, you have the plan. I would encourage you to discuss this with your family tonight to talk about what would we do if an order happened while our, your children are in school or you're at work or something else. So this is a really good opportunity to have that conversation with your family. And I would encourage you to, again, to go to alberta.ca slash emergency for more advice of how to make sure you're prepared to have a plan together if you're not all at home when an order is issued when you're in these communities that are still on an alert. Thanks again. And just a reminder, with about 15 minutes left in tonight's Telephone Town Hall, there is still an opportunity to join the conversation by asking a question. And you can do that by pressing star three on your phone to join the conversation. Our next question comes from Jordan. And Jordan says, how is the RCMP helping keep evacuated communities safe? So I'll ask Peter Tufik with the Alberta RCMP to please go ahead. Yeah, thank you very much for the question. You know, one of the things I just want to say off the bat is we've been monitoring crime in evacuated communities since the beginning of this emergency. And I can say that crime in those communities remains low. We do have resources, tools, and tactics in place to keep evacuated communities safe. So we employ a number of strategies. Um, these strategies include officers controlling access to evacuated communities, roving patrols. We have quick response teams and investigative teams. So we're also leveraging technology through drones, data cameras, and bait vehicles. And these tools allow us to quickly direct our resources on the ground to areas where we detect suspicious activity. From our data and intelligence, we know who the priority offenders are in these areas, those people that are creating the greatest harm in our communities. And our crime reduction units are proactively targeting those offenders with a goal to apprehend them or disrupt their criminal activity. And although the reported crime is low in the evacuated areas, we are detecting criminal activity and we're making some arrests. So some examples are like recently, a priority offender was driving a stolen quad in a detachment area that was affected by evacuations. That was detected. We had RCMP officers patrolling in the area. They were able to form a dragnet and they apprehended that person. Charges are pending. We had RCMP members assisting us from British Columbia who were assisting roving patrols. They became aware of a suspicious vehicle in, evacuated air, in an evacuated area through the information and intelligence that we have. The team identified the vehicle and ultimately arrested three priority offenders from another community. Also, our, cr our crime reduction units were working in a northern community. They made three arrests on priority offenders that they targeted in that area. 
and our drone has detected suspicious activity and we're able to direct our ground teams in. We found uh, you know, suspicious people and in some cases made arrests and recovered stolen property. So you know, the RCMP is committed to keeping the evacuated community safe and thank you for your question. Thanks so much for that, Peter. Our next question tonight comes from Mike. And Mike says, what does it mean when a fire is being held? Is it still dangerous? So I'll ask Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire to please go ahead. Good evening, Mike. Uh, well, being held actually uh, means that the fire is, that with the current conditions that are, are around the fire, uh, and the resources that are assigned to it, uh, that we're not expecting the fire to grow beyond its established boundaries. So it means that it is largely contained. Uh, you may still see smoke and activity on the fire within the boundary of the fire inside the perimeter, but it's not expected to grow in size or move significantly into a different area. Um, there is still a risk with a, a fire that's classified as being held because if we see a sudden change in weather conditions, uh, if we see strong, strong winds that were not expected, um, or, or uh, undetected pockets of hotspots that could flare up in a particular area, it, it may challenge the established boundaries of the fire. And that would be what they would sort of uh, call an excursion or a, a sudden movement of the fire. But certainly um, a being held classification uh, does not mean that we are not uh, uh, still trying to extinguish the fire. We certainly are, uh, but it is a step um, below out of control, meaning that uh, firefighters have uh, generally contained the fire and are working towards bringing it to a status of under control and then extinguishment. So uh, certainly it is in a safer position uh, than an out of control fire, but it is something that firefighters are still very actively working on in order to bring it under control. Thanks again, Christy. Our next question comes from Jacqueline and Jacqueline says, should I take photos of things in my house for my insurance claim? So I'll ask my colleague Rob Dupree with the Insurance Bureau of Canada to please go ahead. Hi Jacqueline, absolutely yes. You should be taking photos of any damage that you see once you're back in your home as a result of the, the wildfire. This can be very helpful in outlining the damages when you're initially submitting your claim to make sure that the appropriate resources and that the right adjuster can be assigned to be able to properly assist you as you go through the process. Even before you have a claim, so for anyone who's on evacuation alert, it's also important to take photos both inside and outside of your home. And inside of your home, make sure you open up every closet and every door and every storage room to make sure that you have information on all the items that you had. In the event that there is damage, these photos can be very helpful to refresh your memory when you're listing out the items that may have been damaged or destroyed. So I hope that answers your question, Jacqueline. Thank you. Thanks again, Rob, and thanks everyone for the important questions tonight. Um, there still is time for a few more questions. The next one is submitted online from Dennis. And Dennis says, my community is on an evacuation alert. Should I still go on vacation if I have it planned? What should I do? 
Um, so I'll ask Bree Hutchinson with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency to please go ahead. Great question, and I think as we get into the summer months, this is the type of thing that will come up more frequently. So if you are on an evacuation alert or you're concerned it might happen when you're going on vacation, I think what I would say is number one is make sure you have someone that can check on your property and that you have a plan in place to help support what needs to happen. I would suggest that if you are in a community that's on evacuation alert, would be to most likely take some important pieces like important documentation, uh, medications, et cetera, things like that and keep them somewhere safe that's outside of that community that's an evacuation alert so whether it's with different families and friends and this is just people probably get sick of me saying this but make sure you have a plan and discuss it frequently with folks that uh, you rely on to help support you this is a good opportunity to talk with neighbors and other community members about what your plan is if you're not going to be home when there's an evacuation order in place and I'm sure my, my colleague Rob with the Insurance Bureau of Canada would agree with me is definitely make sure as he just pointed out you have photos or video of what's in your home and you've taken things like your insurance policy documents, et cetera, um, and have them stored somewhere safely if you're not going to be home when something might be issued. I think also if you have further concerns is to first and foremost to talk to the local authorities of your community and ask some questions about uh, what are some of the risks, uh, what they're monitoring, et cetera, and those evacuation alerts just to be duly informed. Thanks for that information, Bree. Our next question comes from Monica, and Monica says, is there any chance that you will ask us to repay the evacuation payments? So I'll ask my colleague Maggie Carroll with Seniors Community and Social Services to please go ahead. Thank you, Sarah. Great question, Monica. You will not be required to make any type of repayment on this emergency evacuation payment. It is meet the emergency need that the wildfire has created as long as you are eligible for the program and you meet the criteria, a payment has been issued to you that is non-taxable. So you will not have to pay taxes on it. If you are on any of the financial benefit programs with the government of Alberta, including the income support program, the assured income for the severely handicapped program, the Alberta seniors benefit program, this money is not applied against those financial programs. So you do not need to worry about any clawbacks or any impacts of it. That benefit is for your entitlement, and as long as you met the eligibility criteria, then that is your money. Great question, and uh, again, sorry for your circumstances. Thanks so much for that, Maggie. Our next question is submitted online, and the listener wants to know, what is the status of the fire near Fort Chippewan? So I'll ask Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire to please go ahead. Thanks for the question. Uh, this wildfire was detected on Sunday, so one of the, the newer wildfires in the province, although it is uh, currently very active and it's classified as out of control. It's uh, currently listed at 3,000 hectares in size, and it's about 13 kilometers from the community of Fort Chippewan. Uh, we do have uh, three uh, helitech crews and, and six bucketing helicopters and two air tanker groups who are all working um, to contain that fire. Uh, the wind was uh, weaker today and was blowing away from the community. So they have been working all day on the south end of the fire perimeter. Uh, that is the, the area nearest uh, the community in order to prevent the fire from moving south uh, towards uh, Fort Chippewan. 
uh, efforts today have been successful uh, for firefighters in limiting that spread to the south. Um, there is an increase in priority today to get more resources uh, directed to that wildfire to help support the firefighting effort. So uh, this wildfire is currently priority one in the province uh, because of its proximity to the community and its uh, activity. So um, uh, many resources there um, on the way and currently uh, successful efforts today in limiting the spread towards community. Thanks so much for that important update, Christy. Um, I wanted to check with my colleague, Bree Hutchinson from the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, given that we were just discussing the status of the fire in Fort Chippewan. And for any listeners who joined us after you already gave us the important update about a new evacuation order for Fort Chippewan, if you would be so kind as to repeat the critical information for anyone else who requires that this evening. Bree, please go ahead. Thanks so much, Sarah. So I'm gonna repeat the alert. And the thing I'll say before uh, doing this is, please, if you haven't done already, download the Alberta Emergency Alert mobile app where there is information about these alerts and it'll give you further instructions. So there is an, an evacuation order alert in effect for the Hamlet of Fort Chippewan, uh, Miccosukee Cree First Nation, Fort Chippewan Métis Nation and Athabasca Chippewan First Nation. So this is a mandatory evacuation order. All community members must evacuate. This is a phased evacuation starting with all community members of Allison Bay. Report to the Archie Simpson Arena. Bring important documents, medication, food, water and supplies for at least seven days. Take your pets with you. We are prepared to also evacuate your pets, so please bring them with you. For more evacuation details on this, please go to rmwb.ca slash Fort Chip. There will be an updated alert when phase two evacuations begin, but please uh, look at the AEA mobile app or go again to rmwb.ca slash Fort Chip for more information. Thanks very much for that, Bree. Our final question of this evening comes from Elvira, who is listening online. And Elvira says, when will evacuated long-term care homes reopen? What are the requirements? So I'll ask Darcy Garchinski with the Alberta Health Services to please go ahead. Thank you for your question, Elvira. So communities allowing re-entry are in varying states of readiness for providing health programs and services like long-term care at this time. Right now, we are unable to determine an estimated time for when these health facilities will open fully. We will know more in the days to come and will keep everyone informed through the ahs.ca slash wildfire website, as well as through local media and through AHS social media channels. I invite you to use these tools to keep updated on the services available within your particular community. Thanks again. Thanks for that information, Darcy. And I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to everyone for submitting such important questions this evening. 
I hope that you were able to find the information you were looking for through this conversation. And if you're still looking for more information about wildfires and the supports available, you can go to alberta.ca slash emergency, or you can call 310-4455 at any time. Thank you to our experts from across the government of Alberta and our partners in our wildfire conversation for hosting tonight's telephone town hall. I will remind you that if you are interested in participating again, we will be back again on Thursday of this week, which is June 1st from 7 until 8 p.m. Thank you again for joining us. Stay safe and good night.